Thank you, ladies. Thank you. That was beautiful. Our scripture today comes to us from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. And it says this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, this is this is what we this is what we would do. We would gather together uh, on a periodic basis, and we. We went through a bunch of lesson studies, didn't we? And this morning, I have one more lesson study for you. It's uh, been fun. John Wayne once said, a man's got to have a code, a creed to live by, no matter what his job is. The Code of the West was first chronicled by the famous Western writer Zane Gray. In his 1934 novel, The Code of the West, no written code ever actually existed. However, the hardy pioneers who lived in the West were bound by these unwritten rules that centered on hospitality, fair play, loyalty, respect for the land. Raymond Adams, a Western historian, explains it best in his 1969 book, 
the cow hand in his code of ethics. Saying in part, back in the days when the cowman with his herds made a new frontier, there was no law on the range. Lack of written law made it necessary for him to frame some of his own, thus developing a rule of behavior which became known as the Code of the West. These homespun laws being merely a gentleman's agreement to certain rules of conduct for survival were never written into statutes, but were respected everywhere on the range. Though the cowhand might break every law of the territory, state, and federal government, he took pride in upholding his own unwritten code. His failure to abide by it didn't bring formal punishment, but the man who broke it became more or less a social outcast. His friends hazed him into the cutbacks, and he was subject to the punishment of the very code he had broken. Though the Code of the West was always unwritten, here is a loose list of some of the guidelines. Don't inquire into a person's past. Take the measure of man for what he is today. Never steal another man's horse. A horse thief pays with his life. Defend yourself whenever necessary. Look out for your own. Remove your guns before sitting at the dining table. Don't make a threat without expecting dire consequences. Never pass anyone on the trail without saying, Howdy. When approaching someone from behind, give a loud greeting before you get within shooting range. <laughs> Don't wave them at a man on a horse as it might spook the horse. A nod is the proper greeting. After you pass someone on the trail, don't look back at him. It implies that you don't trust him. Riding another man's horse without his permission is nearly as bad as making love to his wife. Never even bother another man's horse. A cowboy doesn't talk much. He saves his breath for breathing. No matter how weary and hungry you are after a long day in the saddle, always tend to your horse's needs before your own and get your horse some feed before you eat. Do not practice ingratitude. A cowboy is pleasant even when out of sorts. Complaining is what quitters do, and cowboys hate quitters. Always be courageous. Cowards aren't tolerated in any outfit worth its salt. A cowboy always helps someone in need, even a stranger or an enemy. Never try on another man's hat. Be hospitable to strangers, anyone who wanders in, including an enemy, is welcome at the dinner table. The same was true for riders who joined cowboys on the range. Give your enemy a fighting chance. Never wake another man by shaking or touching him as he might suddenly awake and shoot you. Real cowboys are modest. A braggart who is all gurgle and no guts is not tolerated. 
Be there for a friend when he needs you. Drinking on duty is grounds for instant dismissal and blacklisting. A cowboy is loyal to his brand, to his friends and those he rides with. Never shoot an unarmed or unwarned enemy. This was also known as the rattlesnake code. Always warn before you strike. However, if a man is being stalked, eh, this could be ignored. Never shoot a woman, no matter what. Consideration for others is central to the code, such as don't stir up dust around the chuck wagon and don't wake up the wrong man for her duty. Respect the land and the environment by not smoking in hazardous fire areas, disfiguring rocks, trees, or other natural areas. Honesty is absolute. Your bond, your word is your bond. A handshake is more binding than a contract. The last thing they listed, live by the golden rule. Uh, wouldn't that make the world a better place? But it's missing the one and only thing that can make one's life really transformed. I share with you the code of the blessed. I first heard it at the first camp meeting after my baptism. Right back there. I was 20 years old, which was quite a while ago. Uh, when a preacher named Buzz Menhart proclaimed it to me. It must have been very important because the Holy Spirit has never let me forget it. The code's foundation is on this bedrock. Matthew twenty-two thirty-three through 40. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a lawyer, wouldn't you suspect, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two principles depend the whole law and the prophets. So all the stuff that we study, if you don't have this, it's meaningless. Love is an incredibly powerful thing. It's what enables us to live by the code of the blessed. There are only three pillars to the code. The first is live by a faith that is strong, no matter what goes wrong. So what is faith? Where does it come from? How do you get it and grow it larger? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. To me, Faith is the phenomenon that occurs when a person engages in a very intimate relationship 
that evolves into total and complete trust of the other person. The Bible is full of examples. Here are two. The first is found in Job. Job 39. Now, oh, the first is... Okay, I'm in the wrong. It's found in Job. Yeah, here we go. It's found in Job. Job's a neat story. Uh, now there was a day when the sons of the Lord came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where do you come from? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around in it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, revering God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has, and surely he will curse thee to thy face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now it happened on that day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, that a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God came down from heaven. The fire of who? Came down from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and came and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants at the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. Behold, a great wind from across the wilderness struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. I alone has escaped to tell you. Well, that's like having your world come down around your ears, ain't it? Then Job arose, tore his, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshipped, and said, Naked I came from my mother's room, naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Live by a faith that's strong, no matter what goes wrong. The story isn't over yet. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From roaming around on the earth and walking about on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, revering God and turning away from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited him against me to ruin him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, 
skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth thy hand now and touch his bone in his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's in your power. Only spare his life. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a busted pot and scraped himself while he was still among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak like as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall I indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job still did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's... That's having a relationship. Uh, The second is Elisha. And God never forsook his chosen messenger. That's something to remember. He'll never forsake you. On one occasion during a Syrian invasion, the king of Syria sought to destroy Elisha because of his activity in apprising the king of Israel of the plans of the enemy. The Syrian king had taken counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. This plan was revealed by the Lord to Elisha, who sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Be aware that you pass not such a place, for there the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once but twice, but many times. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called the servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Determined to do away with the prophet, the Syrian king demanded, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. The prophet was in Dothan, and learning of this, the king sent there horses, chariots, and a great army. They came by night and compassed around the city. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone out, behold, the host around the city, both with horses and chariots, In terror, Elisha's servant sought him with the tidings. Alas, my master, how shall we live? Fear not, was the answer of the prophet. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And then, that the servant might know this for himself, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. Between the servant of God and the host of armed full men was an encircling band of heavenly angels. They had come down in mighty power, not to destroy or to exact homage, but to encamp around about and minister to the Lord's weak and helpless ones. When we the people are brought into straight places, and apparently there is no escape for us, the Lord alone 
wants to be high repentance. Live by a faith that's strong, no matter what goes wrong. The second pillar, live by what you know, by the power of who you know, no matter where you go. Joseph had been given dreams of greatness by God, but his brothers sold him as a slave. But Joseph continued to trust God, even though he didn't understand what was happening to him. Romans 8.28 tells us, We all know that all things work together for good for those that love God, to them who are called according to his great purpose. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. That's an important thing to remember. The Lord was with Joseph, and he will be with you. So he became a successful man. You want to be successful? That's the way you do it. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer of his house and all that he owned he put in his charge. And it came about from that time he made him overseer in his house over all that he owned. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge and with him Around he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me around my master does not even concern himself with anything in the house. He has put all that he owns in my charge. There is only one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? And it came about as she spoke to Joseph, day after day after day, that he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day, that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Live by what you know, by the power of who you know, no matter where you go. The third pillar, God's love will empower you to do what is right, no matter what's in sight. Look at Esther when Haman had devised the plan to kill the Jews. All the king's servants and the people of the king's province know that for any man or woman who comes to the king, to the inner court, who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death, unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter, so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. And they related Esther's words to Mordecai. 
Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the, for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me, and do not eat or drink for three days, day or night. I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. Thus I will go unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Do what is right, no matter what's in sight. I think of Carrie Tenbaum in The Hiding Place. If you haven't read about Carrie Tenbaum or seen the movie The Hiding Place, you need to. It's an awesome, it's an Austin Testament. I think of a young man, not much older than you two, when World War II broke out. He knew he had to serve his country and do his duty, but he just couldn't bring himself to take another human life. And so he enlisted as a medic. He could have stayed back and been in the hospital, but he volunteered to be a combat medic. And time and time and every time again, he risked his life for others. And on that famous day on Hacksaw Ridge, when 155 men went on the, on the ridge and were driven off by overwhelming numbers, only 50 made it down on their own power. Over 100 men lay scattered, dying on the top of Hacksaw. And one man, with his God, went and rescued them. Carried and drugged them to the cliff, tied them into a sling, lowered them down a 75-foot cliff, all the while the enemy is trying to kill them. Do what's right, no matter what's in sight. Honor the God of the code of the blessed, and he will honor you. Pastor Jim. I'm going to go through the baptismal vow with you gentlemen now. Couldn't help when you were talking about Elisha at Dosen. I've been there, seen Dosen. And uh, Dosen is just a, a ruins of a town that have not been excavated. And in Israel, you can tell where a town has been because the hill is a flat top and steep sides. So we drove into this little valley, and here's this steep-sided flat top hill, which was Dothan. And then there's a little valley around it, and when the servant woke up, that little valley was full of enemy soldiers. But that was kind of like the playing field of a stadium. And all the way around was a horseshoe of tall hills. All the way around that valley. That's where the servant saw all the chariots and horses of fire. So the enemy soldiers thought they had Elisha 
circled. They had him trapped. They had him surrounded. Yeah, they were the guys down on the playing field, but then this whole amphitheater is full of God's guys. <laughs> Guess who's really surrounded? The, the enemy soldiers are really the ones surrounded. And just the physical layout of the place there well, was really awesome to see that, that this little valley surrounded by this huge amphitheater of hills. It was an awesome thing to see. Um, Thank you for stirring that. I appreciated that. These are the baptismal vows that when you choose to become a Seventh-day Adventist, these are the conditions that we ask you to agree to. I encourage everybody else to listen. Many of you have been baptized. Some of you may not be Adventists or may not have even given your heart to Christ. Think about them as we go through. If you've already agreed to them, you can reaffirm them in your heart. Uh, If you haven't, you can think about it. Uh, And God would encourage you to do that. Do you believe in God the Father, in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit? Do you accept the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of men and believe that through faith in His shed blood, men are saved from sin and its penalty? Renouncing the world and its sinful ways, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And do you believe that God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven your sins and given you a new heart? Do you accept by faith the righteousness of Christ, recognizing him as your intercessor in the heavenly sanctuary? And do you claim his promise to strengthen you by his indwelling spirit so that you may receive power to do his will? Do you believe that the Bible is God's inspired word and that it constitutes the only rule of faith and practice for the Christian? Do you accept the Ten Commandments as still binding upon Christians and is it your purpose by the power of the indwelling Christ to keep this law, including the Fourth Commandment, which requires the observance of the seventh day of the week as the Sabbath of the Lord? Is the soon coming of Jesus the blessed hope in your heart? And are you determined to be personally ready to meet the Lord and to do all in your power to witness to his loving salvation and by life and word to help others to be ready for his glorious appearing? Do you accept the biblical teaching of spiritual gifts and do you believe that the gift of prophecy in the remnant church is one of the identifying marks of that church? Do you believe in church organization, and is it your purpose to support the church by your tithes and offerings, your personal effort and influence? Do you believe that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that you are to honor God by caring for your body, avoiding the use of that which is harmful, abstaining from all unclean foods, from the use, manufacture, or sale of alcoholic beverages, the use, manufacture, or sale of tobacco in any of its forms for human consumption, and from misuse of or trafficking in narcotics or other drugs. Knowing and understanding the fundamental Bible principles as taught by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is it your purpose, by the grace of God, to order your life in harmony with these principles? 
Do you accept the New Testament teaching of baptism by immersion? And do you desire to be so baptized as a public expression of your faith in Christ and in the forgiveness of your sins? Do you believe that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the remnant church of the Bible prophecy and that people of every nation, race, and language are invited and accepted into its fellowship? Do you desire membership in this local congregation of the world church? You have heard their uh, affirmation of the uh, baptismal vows and their desire to be members of this congregation. Is there a motion that they be accepted subject to baptism? There is a motion. Is there a second? There are several who would second. Uh, all in favor, would you show by your raised hand, please? Is there any opposed? Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you. Uh, I believe we're going to go get ready for the baptism at this point then. Thanks. While they get uh, changed and, and are ready to get into the baptismal, I'd like to have you join me just in singing a few songs. We'll start with uh, we'll start with hymn number two eighty six, "Wonderful Words of Life." Two eighty six. So if you should have a most of the hymnals, I think are blue. There, there's red ones for the um, the Sunday the Methodist Church, but the blue ones are ours. Two eighty six, "Wonderful Words of Life." Wonderful words of love. 
Let's turn to number 499. What a friend we have in Jesus. 499. I was telling the boys earlier, it makes me think of myself. I was about their age when I was baptized. And uh, looking back, I have never been sorry that I did that. Amen. Uh, the Lord has been good to me all these years. He will be good to you guys too. But it's kind of neat to be able to look back uh, and see you guys walking through those same steps that the Lord has opened before some of the others of us as well. It's always a privilege to be able to baptize someone who's come to faith in Christ. And uh, Sawyer, because of your faith in Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Mason. You also have faith in Christ. And he has opened your heart to him, to his love and his goodness. And because of your faith in him, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the people of the, of the Lord said, Amen. Amen. Diane, I can, I can remember you bringing the boys when they were just little shavers and thinking they were, they were so cute. They've matured into incredible young men. You should be very proud. finish straightening all the rest of that out later, but we're going to sing a couple more songs. If you would um, join me in flipping to number 309, I Surrender All. Seems appropriate for the moment. Number 309.
could flip over just a couple of pages to number 318, 318, Whiter Than Snow. Have the elders come forward at this time.
some baptismal certificates. I think they're right on the bench back there for Sawyer and Mason. The Lord is the one who gives us a new heart A new birth. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Same body, but a different spirit inside. It's a beautiful thing that the Lord does for us. 
In this world, we live in a world filled with sin and its effects all the time. But in his new world, there will be none of that. I truly look forward to that. Uh, We see reasons to want the change all the time in our lives. The older I get, the closer they get to me. (laughs) The, The reasons to want to be in a better world are many. The Lord has promised it. It is his power that makes it happen. In Revelation, he says, Behold, I make all things new. And there he's talking about the world and nature and those issues. But in John 3, he's talking about where he starts. He starts in our hearts, making that new. So we are ready to fit into his new world where there will be no sin. And he wants every one of us to do that. Some of you may not have made that commitment. I don't really know. Some of you have made that commitment. But I would like to encourage each of us to recommit ourselves or commit for the first time. If some of you would like to prepare for baptism and have not, be sure you talk to one of the elders here. Any of them would be happy to listen to you and make arrangements for you to make that preparation and become a part of God's family both visibly here on earth, but especially the family of his in heaven. So I'd like to have you, if you would like to make that commitment, if you would stand to show that to the Lord, to recommit or to commit for the first time, uh, to say, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord again or anew. Uh, If you would stand up, please, I'd appreciate that. God promises promises us through Moses of his blessing. And he gave specific instructions as to how to do it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Thus you shall say to Aaron and to his sons, This is how you shall bless my people. You shall say unto them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine down upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so they shall invoke my name on my people, and I then shall bless them.